Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today, we're going to sit down for a conversation with national speaker, author, and pastor Noah Heron. He's got a new book out today, and we are going to hear a lot about that, the book Viral Jesus, and where you could pick that up, and this crazy story that God's been painting through Noah's life. So Noah, welcome to the show, man. It's so awesome to have you. Dude, it's an honor, Trevor, man. I'm so excited to uh, chop it up with you, man, and uh, talk about Jesus. I'm pumped and honored to be here. Dude, it's so awesome. I've heard so much about you over the years and now finally getting to sit down and have a conversation. We've never met before. Um, a lot of my friends have been to your old ministry, the gathering, the conferences. Mm-hmm. God's been doing some amazing things in your life. And I guess I'd like to get started with just hearing how this journey started for you before the gathering, before you got married, um, being so young and finding a little bit of success in this ministry life and seeing God yeah. move through you. Where did that journey start for you? Yeah, man. So, uh, it's funny. People ask, they're like, Hey, so how did you, uh, how did you set out to get into ministry? And I absolutely did not. Um, I was, uh, I was running from Jesus pretty hard in college. Um, I grew up in a pastor's home, uh, great parents, great family life. But, um, just over the course of my high school years and early college years, I kind of had a representation of Jesus that wasn't Jesus at all. And I wow. uh, decided that I was going to do something different with my life and pursue other things. And so um, most of college for the first three, almost three and a half years of college, I was, uh, I was running from the Lord um, pretty mm-hmm. hard. And um, long story short, I was in college studying communication and uh, one of my roommates at the time, I uh, ended up being the best man in my wedding. He sent me a, um, a Judah Smith YouTube video and he said, Hey bro, uh, I think that you would love this guy. He's really funny. You should just listen to him. He's a brilliant communicator. So um, I sat down I started watching, started laughing. And about 45 minutes later, I was crying in my bedroom and gave my life to Jesus through that YouTube video. And so, um, yeah, man, I, I didn't plan on going, going into ministry or anything like that. I, I just, uh, I knew that I needed to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, um, I just started kind of cultivating that. I ended up interning at pastor Judah's church out in Seattle, Washington that summer. Um, I needed an internship related to media. I'd always wanted to go to Seattle and, um, this guy just was so attracted uh, to me. And, um, I went out there not knowing anything. And about three months later, um, just my, my world had been rocked by what I was a part of out there, getting to see people's lives literally changed every single day, the ministry that they were doing and, um, came back from my last semester of college, started a Bible study with, um, about nine dudes in my living room with a bag of Doritos. And, uh, (laughs) That uh, that Bible study quickly grew into the ministry that um, I had the honor of leading the past four years called The Gathering. Wow, that's amazing. And was the uh, was the small group sponsored by Doritos or you just like them? Because I'm an <laughs> <just>, avid fan. <laughs> it wasn't, but I always throw that detail in there in hopes that they'll sponsor my next small group in Jesus' name. <laughs> in Jesus' name. I relate with that so much. It's not a small group without a bag of Doritos. I mean, Come I'll on. just throw that out there. But Come so on. you graduated from Lee University. How was your time at yeah. Lee spent? Did you have a good community around you? Were there yeah. any interesting people? People that challenged you in a way. How was college life? 
Yeah. So Lee, um, for people listening, they might know this. Lee is a uh, Christian university. And so I actually went there uh, for basketball. I thought I was going to be playing basketball. Oh, that's I thought sick. I was, uh, yeah. And, um, Basketball's man, on in the background for you there. <laughs> it, it, it is, man. I've always, uh, I'm, a, I'm a hooper at heart. But um, yeah, so I, I kind of went in with that mindset. Um, I pretty quickly got plugged in. It's crazy. You can get plugged in with the right people and the wrong people at the same time. And the wrong people will always outweigh the right people. And that's kind of how it worked out in my life. I met some of my best friends um, immediately that first year at Lee. And I also met some people who really influenced my life in a negative. Uh, um, I really do believe that both Jesus and the devil influence our life through relationships more than they do any other way. And um, I was a testament to that. And so, uh, the first couple of years, um, I spent a lot of my time just, uh, getting involved in the wrong scene, um, mm-hmm. the wrong motives, the wrong pursuits. Uh, but towards the end there, uh, I really got to see who Jesus had made me to be and also, um, explore some of that community in a deeper way. And many of those friends that I made my freshman year at Lee ended up helping me lead the ministry that we started that last semester of college, which is just a, a really cool testament to God's redemption and grace. And um, it's really, really cool. Dude, that's awesome. And when you were going through that season, when you were at Lee, were you there for seminary or communications? What were you? Yeah. So I was studying um, communications with an emphasis in uh, in journalism. I wanted to be an ESPN broadcaster. <laughs> oh, yes. Come on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you, you have a great voice for it. Mine always cracked and stuff. So I struggled through those classes, but they were really uh, pretty easy classes, which is the only way I probably would have made it through college with the lifestyle <laughs> I was living those first few years. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, um, if I'm not mistaken, Rich Wilkerson Jr. graduated from Lee. Is that correct? He did. Yeah, he did. And uh, Chris Durso went there. If you know um, Pastor Chris, he went yeah. there for one semester. <laughs> oh, man. that's it's, it's funny to see their alumni growing because I had never heard of Lee until I have some friends that are there in their choir group. And then mm. I heard Rich Wilkerson Jr. talking about it in his book, which is yeah. amazing. If you guys haven't read Sandcastle Kings, go pick yeah. that up. And he has another book out, too. But yeah. um, you have a book out today. It's called Viral Jesus. Where did yeah. that come from, man? Like I, I've read all the captions that go along with the book. I haven't got to get my hands on it yet, but mm. I just think it's so interesting how you're painting a picture for people to not get trapped up in that social media fame viral mentality. But yeah. Jesus didn't set out to be viral. It, yeah. it just happened. And mm. where did this book concept come from? Yeah, man, I, I'm so I'm so excited. And first of all, thank you again for for having me on to, to talk about this and other stuff. It really means a lot. But um, man, it, it came out of uh, first. It came out of uh, wrong desires in my own life, and the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit convicting me of some different things that I was walking through when it comes to this subject. Um, but then it also came through uh, on the other side of that, seeing so many people buy into the lie that. Um, going viral, becoming successful, working hard, having a platform that all these things will fulfill you like Jesus does. Um, I think that one of the worst lies you could believe in is that living a viral life on this world is the goal. 
Um, you know, you can go back over the course of history, 2000 years ago, a hundred years ago, you can find the people who worked the hardest, had the biggest platforms, were the most influential people of their day. And at best, they're a one sentence part of a history book. But when you say the name Jesus, this man who didn't come with those same values, this man who didn't come with those same goals or desires, his name is known all over the world, not just known, but people are still choosing to follow him, literally millions, tens of millions of people. And so I had this idea to sit down, to look at the life of Jesus. And what I found was that Jesus didn't set out to become more, he set out to become less. And through that process, he actually became more viral than any other person that we've ever seen um, in history. And so the big idea of the book is that you can be famous on earth and totally unknown in heaven, but that God wants you to be famous in heaven so that you can be really effective and live a really purposeful life on this earth. Dude, that's phenomenal. And with all that being said, you talk about envy and like uh, social media being mm. an envious place for people that want to quote unquote make it. Like yeah. one of the best things I've heard is a good friend of mine was talking about like social media influencers and the envy behind social media. And it's like, okay, you can compare yourself to somebody, but in God's eyes, like if you say, God, I want to make it and like, what is making it? Who are you comparing yourself to? Mm -hmm. So somebody else can have a completely different picture of success in their mind, but yeah. there's always somebody that's going to want your life uh, to a certain extent. Like for me, I used to look at my friend, Jared, like he had a beautiful wife, beautiful kids, and was just this amazing influencer for Jesus. And I was like, man, I want to have a life like Jared's. Like, mm -hmm. I want to have a family. I want to be able to talk about mental health on a global stage. I want to be able to do this, that, and the other. But unfortunately, like, we lost Jared to suicide last year. So mm -hmm. like, it comes down to like, the picture that's painted on social media, not saying for Jared, but in general, um, you see a whole lot less than what's actually going on in someone's life. So when you go yeah. keep up with the Joneses, what is, what is that doing for you other than destructing your mind? So mm. if somebody's listening to this right now, and I'm sure you've probably struggled with it in your walk, how can you stop comparing yourself and being so envious of our brothers and sisters yeah. that are making an impact on social media? Yeah, man, it's, it's a great question. I think it's something that every single person who has a social media account um, has to deal with on some level. And um, man, I, I found so much encouragement and challenge in the book of James uh, in the New Testament of the Bible. Um, you know, James is one of those books that really, <clears throat> it, he holds no punches um, when he talks about how we should be as followers of Jesus. But there's this really, really interesting um uh, chapter in there and at the end of chapter one, where um, James talks about your motives and your desires. And he talks about how the reason people don't have what they want is because one, they don't ask for it. And two, because their motives and desires are wrong. And so if you're someone who desires to make an impact, which I think we all uh, want to do on different, mm -hmm. different ways, different levels. <clears throat> the thing that's holding you back in the eyes of God is that you haven't asked and it's because your motives are wrong. Mm -hmm. And for me, like I'm a very cut and dry person. And so when I read that, I was like, man, like 
I don't have to strive anymore. I don't have to keep up with the Joneses. What I need to do is I need to make sure my heart is in the right place. I need to make sure that I'm doing this for the right reason. And I need to ask for God to open up the doors that only he can ask for. And I really believe, man, like if we're going to believe that Jesus uh, died on a cross, rose again for our sins, like that part of the Bible is true, then we have to believe that the rest of the Bible is true. Mm. And so when I read the book of James, it just took so much pressure off of me um, to stop trying to keep up with the Joneses and to trust that God's word is true. That if I take care of my end, if I put it in God's hands, he will take care of his. And it really, um, I talk about this in the book uh, at, at depth, but um, it reminds me that living a viral life in the kingdom of God is not how well you attract followers, but it's how well you follow. Oh, and um, man, I just, uh, you know, I would encourage anyone who's struggling with those things <clears throat> to read the book of James, um, especially chapter one and really dive into that. But it's not just going to happen overnight where you log into Instagram and, you know, you see the dude on there who has got it all going on or the girl that, you really wish that you had the opportunity she has. It's not just going to go away, but it's going to be a daily die to self, um, yeah. a prayer to God for him to straighten out your desires for his desires and to really take your heart and exchange it for his heart. Um, but be encouraged because when you do get to the place that God wants you to be with your, with your thoughts and desires, he's going to take you places that um, you couldn't get on your own. Sure. And how have you seen this playing out in your marriage? Have you and your wife sat down and had those hard conversations that you've had to work through, even while you were dating? I'm like, hey, like, I'm really struggling with this right now. What are like, what's your encouragement for that? Yeah, man, my wife is the greatest. Any good idea that I've had since I've known her, I just repeated out of her mouth. Um, so she, uh, she is from Alabama and she's not afraid. She's like James. She's not afraid to uh, just say it how she feels it. And so there was, there were several times, especially as we started getting closer to our wedding and then into our marriage where she would notice that I was spending too much time on my phone. Um, or she would notice that I would let different things affect me more than they should. Yeah. And she would call me out. She'd be like, Hey, why is this controlling your happiness? You know, you're letting social media use you instead of you using it. And, um, man, packing a it, punch. Oh, she, she knows. But, um, I think that that's important. I think if you're married, you should have that in your spouse. And I think if you aren't married and these are things that you desire to, um, be used in and you desire to, uh, to, to be used for the kingdom of God. And I think you need accountability with it. I think mm. you need someone who's not afraid to tell you, uh, how you're really doing and what it really appears like you're coming across as, um, you know, you need that because it's really hard for you to see yourself as you're coming across as who you really are. You need voices to speak into your life and keep you accountable. And I'm really blessed with a wife who does that for me. Yeah. And you and your wife, Maddie, have a YouTube channel that everybody could check yeah. out. Where did that start for you? <laughs> so um, my wife is always doing like really funny stuff. And um, we have some friends who are YouTubers and um, we were hanging out with them and they were just like, hey, you guys should do this. Like, you don't have to take it seriously, but at the very least, like you'll have videos to go back and watch together. And so 
um, we kind of started it out just as like a fun hobby, just, just to, uh, do, um, we, we travel a lot. And so we would bring the camera and turn it on and stuff. And, um, we've had a blast with it. We're still not really taking it super serious. We don't yeah. have like a, a super planned out schedule or anything, but when we feel like recording, we turn the camera on and we're hoping that we don't do anything too embarrassing that our kids, uh, our kids are embarrassed of us when we go out one day. <laughs> so in the YouTube circuit, when I think about like Christians in that circuit, I think Colin Savannah LeBron, um, Nick and Chelsea Hurst, um, what is it? Sadie Huff now. Um, yeah. So you have very, very amazing people in the YouTube circuit. You have so mm-hmm. many couples that are encouraging people to follow Jesus, but to combat that, I don't know the exact statistic, but I would assume for every one Christian YouTube channel you have, you've probably got a hundred secular. So when it comes to that big of a market and finding people that will actually watch it, have you like found that you worry more about, Hey, we need to do this to get our ratings up. Or is it purely just like you and Maddie are doing this for fun? Like you're doing it for you. And I, with, I watched both of your testimonial videos on YouTube yesterday, getting ready for this interview. And it was like, I don't feel as if you're putting on a show. I get so tired of what I call cringy Christianity. Um, I, I, I do not like getting on TikTok because most of the time, like on the For You page, you'll scroll and it's just like everybody doing the little dances and like pointing at things the Bible says. And I'm like, I'm not judging your creativity or your art, but... I, I, I couldn't like, it's just a little cringy yeah. to me. So cringy Christianity. And if I offended you with that, I cool, but it's, <laughs> I'm just, I, what is the process for you when it comes yeah. to creating a video and putting it out? And if somebody listening is struggling with wanting to put out content, what would your encouragement be to them? Yeah, man. Great question. I, I think with YouTube, we've definitely had the conversation, like how serious do we want to take this and what are, what's like our win in this, you know? And, and like I said, our biggest win is we're just having fun. It's just something for us to to do together and um, to document and look back on. But outside of that, like we do have real goals for it. And for us, we wanted to make a YouTube channel where we felt free to share about our faith and to talk about Jesus and talk about those things. But really we wanted to create a channel where, we showed that you don't have to be weird to follow Jesus, um, that, that you can just be a normal person. Uh, you can like fun things and do fun things and have a cool life. And, you know, uh, my wife would laugh if she heard me say that because our life is not that cool, but you get what I'm saying. Um, you can, you can be normal and follow Jesus. And I think that a lot of the world, unfortunately, doesn't believe that, you know, they've, they've had too many encounters with, uh, Jesus followers either throwing the gospel down their throats or, um, you know, being, being whatever way, cringy, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, man, I just, I think if Jesus was here in person in 2020, that he would be a guy who was so attractive in the way that he lived his life, that people would want to know him, that they would want to hang out with him. And so that's kind of a part of the call that we feel on YouTube. We don't want to, make it a production. We just want to make it real life. And we hope that because of the way we're following Jesus and trying to live our life, that that will be attractive to those unbelievers if they come across our channel. 
Dude, that's so phenomenal. And what prompted you to get started on social media in general? You've got a fairly large following. And for me, like I know for a fact that did not happen overnight. Like it's something you had to work on. And from what I've seen from you is you didn't necessarily work on the quality of the content as much as you did yourself. Like, Mm you kept yourself raw, you kept yourself authentic, you made sure that you were providing value with people. And that's something Mm -hmm. that I highly respect. But so many of us get trapped in this rat race of like, I need to do up my hair or do this or just like all the crap that goes on into the quote unquote production versus the quality of the content on the value spectrum. Like it doesn't matter if you have $7,000 camera, some fancy lights and a microphone It's really down to like, okay, I feel like the Lord's pressing this on my heart. I want to get this going and make Jesus viral. So when it comes down to it, why did you start? Yeah, man, I I think it's really simple for me. Um, I wanted to get into social media because that's where people were. Mm-hmm. And I didn't start um, my social media journey following Jesus. I actually um, grew to about seven thousand followers before I gave my life to Jesus. I was doing um, I was doing photography, uh, like uh, outdoor photography, like wanderlust stuff. I was taking these crazy road trips um, with friends and taking photos and stuff. And, um, a company called Urban Outfitters saw some of my stuff and they reached out and asked if I would start doing some photos for them and, and wow. their clothes and stuff. And so um, I went from like 150 followers to 7,000 in just a couple of months. And uh, shortly after that happened is when I gave my life to Jesus. And I really struggled. I'm not going to lie for a minute there because I was like seeing all this growth online and I knew that Urban Outfitters didn't want me posting a whole bunch about Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. um, they were paying me to do these photos and post what they wanted me to post about. Um, but I had this kind of identity crisis of like, you know, God's given me this platform and he can take it away if he wants to, but I'm going to just choose to trust him. There's people on here that were just like I was a few months ago. And um, if I can, encourage them and point them to Jesus in some way for them to have the same type of encounter I did, then it's worth it, even if it's just for one. And so I started to do that, dude. I lost a ton of followers within about six months. Um, I lost my my uh, working partnership with Urban Outfitters uh, over it, which was totally fine too. I was thankful for the opportunity to begin with. But um, over the course of time, like what we talked about with the book of James, it just rings true because, mm. um, when I started doing that, I viewed it as, Hey, let's reach these 7,000 people and try to get one of them saved, you know? Yeah. And, and in God's mind, um, or God's plan was, Hey, you know, let's reach these people, but let's reach more. And I wasn't even thinking like that. You know, I was just thinking, let's win somebody else to Jesus and, and let's uh, ask God to do what only he can do. And and now we're here and um, there's been, you know, bumps and, uh, and wins along the way. And I'm using it now in different ways than I did then. But I think the one thing that's been the same is that God's been faithful and he's done what, what he's wanted to do through my platform. And um, as long as he gives me one, we'll keep 
shouting his name. And if he takes it away, we'll keep doing it in different ways. So that's how I feel about it. I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Dude, I love that. And good for you, dude. Like a lot of people would get a big brand partnership like that and be like, yeah, I got to be very cautious on what I'm doing, but who cares? Like, honestly, (laughs) you did an amazing thing with going out on the limb and being like, I'm going to chase Jesus instead. But not a lot of people would do that. And you grew up as a pastor's kid. Um, not saying you like walked away from your faith or anything, but you went through those um, trials in your life and you came back to Jesus. How did you grow up in the church and how did that affect who you are today? I think whenever you are around the, the capital C church, something that yeah. is really important um, for us to remember is that Jesus is not his people, right? So, so, um, just because someone follows Jesus does not mean that they are a representation of Jesus in every area of their life. They're still living in a world with sin. You know, they're still broken people. And for me, it was really hard to distinguish the two um, growing up. You know, I'd hear someone preach about Jesus and, you know, have this incredible message that changed my life and then find out that, uh, you know, they were committing adultery or they got arrested for stealing um, from the church or just a lot of things that a pastor's kid is exposed to in a deeper level than just a regular attender at church. You know, I'm hearing the full stories. I'm hearing the behind the scenes. And um, it really led me to have a view of the person of Jesus that wasn't accurate because of encounters with his followers. And I think that that's scriptural. You know, the woman at the well, uh, she took off running. She was terrified when the disciples showed up. Um, and, and to me that, that, that is just an example of someone being afraid of his followers, but wanting to see Jesus. And, um, I think that's something that we have to keep in mind as Jesus followers is that we always need to make sure that we're reflecting who Jesus truly is because people's eternities literally hang in the balance. And I think I got caught up in some of that, got caught up in not having a strong enough faith on my own to see through some of that. Um, but I'm really thankful for the journey because I I really do believe that my faith now because of it is so much stronger than it was before. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw, um, a recent post from Todd White of where he's basically coming out and saying, I haven't been preaching the whole gospel. And Mm. there for a while he had a stance on like, he was more so, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I've never heard him clearly say it, but he was preaching a more prosperity gospel than anything else. And he has a very tear filled message that he gave at his conference. And there for the longest time, I was like really worried about like the message that he was putting out, not necessarily what he was saying. It was what he wasn't saying. I never heard about Mm -hmm. repentance. I never heard about anything like that. And I guard what I listen to a ton, like a lot of, pastors that are huge right now, they're not preaching the whole gospel. So to Mm. hear somebody like Todd White come out and clearly admit verbally out of his mouth that he's been preaching the half truth, what, what with you being a pastor and somebody that really speaks into the topic of faith for a lifestyle, when you hear somebody make a clear statement like that, what goes through your mind? Oh man, I, I celebrate it. You know, yeah. um, I, I think it's hard. It, it's hard on two two ends of the spectrum. One, I, I really struggle um, with uh, my heart 
when I see preachers who I think are either distorting or leaving out parts of the gospel, because part of me wants to be like, yo, bro, what's going on? You know, what, what are you doing? You know, and, and really jump in, um, on the conversation. And a lot of times what I've found for me is that, um, my motives are not always pure in doing that. Mm. You know, uh, I, I think that those people need people in their circles who are holding them accountable to actually hold them accountable. Uh, because at the end of the day, the Bible is clear. Like those of us who teach, we're going to be held to a much higher standard. And so, um, Todd White or anyone else, like their least concern should be me. Um, mm. it should be a God who promises to judge us on a higher standard mm. one day. Um, when we stand before his throne. Uh, so my stance that I'm trying to take on preachers in general is, man, I'm rooting for you, bro. I am rooting for you because we need every single one of you to preach the full message of the gospel. And I'm praying that the people around you keep you accountable to do that. Because at the end of the day, some internet comment is not going to make you change your ways. But I do believe that God uses the relationships closest to us to do just that. And I think um, what Todd White is doing. I heard about that message. I haven't got to listen to it yet, but it sounds like um, God got a hold of him in a really awesome and powerful huh. way. And um, I'm just excited to see what God does through him going forward. Yeah. Like when I first listened to it, I was like, who is Spurgeon and why is this guy so obsessed with him? <laughs> so I listened to it and was able to hear like what he was saying. And I instantly started reading Spurgeon. Um, yeah. I was like, if, God can have that big of an impact on someone's life. Like, yeah. what did their ministry look like? And I find myself looking at, like, what is God going to do through me today? It's never a financial thing for me. Like, mm. I do not make money off of, like, preaching Jesus. I do that because yeah. it's my lifestyle, and I love sure. to talk to people. I could talk to a brick wall all day. I love it. Um, And for me, as someone that has walked into the rock spectrum of things. I've done a lot of shows at like metal events and like, I don't change my message at all. Like people yeah. aren't there to hear the gospel, but they're going to hear it, man. And <laughs> when I hear criticism of like, um, popular Christian influencers worried about like me being around these bands and it's like, why? If Jesus was here, like I like to hint around that I think Jesus would be an amazing filmmaker if he was here today. Mm -hmm. He was always telling parables and they're amazing and they help people learn. And the movie industry is a similar outlet. And nowadays more people are watching movies than reading books. So wow. to, see, to see uh shows like The Chosen pop up, I haven't got a chance to sit down and watch it, but I pray that everything yeah. in it is biblically accurate. Um, but that's also a very dangerous, like road to be on. Like if you're making a show purely about the Bible, yeah. make sure everything's accurate <laughs> in it. And from what I've heard, it's an amazing show. I'll have to check it out. But when it comes down to it, when it, whether it's music or TV or books that Noah Heron's listening to, do you guard yourself pretty well in that spectrum? Like, um, not bashing like rap or any, or any kind of genre of music, but I, I wouldn't imagine that it, like even in a writing process or real life for you, like the stuff that you put into your ears and into your eyes, like it's going to go into your brain. It's going to go yeah. around your thought process and it's going to linger there for a little bit. So you guard yourself when you're yeah. looking for stuff to ingest like that. 
Absolutely, man. I, I think I've become a lot more conscious about that. Um, even in the past year or two, since uh, Maddie and I mm-hmm. got married, um, before, before that, I would say I would have, I would have given you an answer about how everyone has their, their own convictions and, and they do. But I, but I think that a lot of times, um, it's very easy to make excuses mm-hmm. for our compromise. Um, you know, and so, uh, I'm not going to tell you that um, every single movie that I watch is rated G or PG. Oh, for sure. But at the same time, um, I'm very conscious about what I'm putting into my brain, what I'm letting my eyes see. Because man, I, the Bible is clear: like sin does not sin does not start as a roaring lion. It starts as a small seed that we let in, um, you know, very comfortably, very casually, sure. very. Uh, unnoticeably. And before we know it, it grows and it can strangle us. That's what, that's what the Bible says. And so um, I think that as followers of Jesus, man, we've, we've got to be really careful and um, we need to make sure that what we're putting into uh, our thoughts is edifying and is going to build us up and is ultimately going to keep us um, following Jesus. Dude, that's amazing. And um, with your relationship with your wife, when you met Maddie and y'all started dating, were you looking for a relationship at that time or were you like single and loving it? Yeah, man, we were both, we both have a, a similar story. We were both, um, in really long relationships in college. Like yeah. I, I dated a girl for three and a half years. She dated a guy for four years. Um, and both of those relationships ended kind of on the rocks. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, we were both single for, almost two years. And, um, man, I, she was not looking for anybody, bro. She was, uh, she had just gotten done a few months before telling her parents that she was happy if she died single. And, uh, I was not in that space. I was definitely still looking for, for a girl, but I wasn't in a rush. And, um, when I saw her, I knew, okay, uh, she's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Now let's see how her heart is. And within just a couple of interactions, I could just tell that she was, um, the closest person to Jesus I had ever met. And I knew that if I got to marry her, not only would we have cute kids because of her, (laughs) um, but we would have a relationship that, uh, would challenge me when it comes to following Jesus. And so, um, I went for it, man, we got married, 13 months after the day we met. So it was, it was pretty fast. (laughs) I love that. And a lot of people ask about what would you tell somebody single right now on finding their person? And that's not what I want to ask at all. How would you tell someone that is following Jesus and that's single right now to find that space of, okay, like I need to be happy single before I can be happy with someone else. I need to learn to love Mm. who God's created me to be versus instantly trying to find that person that's going to fill me up. Um, What would your advice be to that single Christian? Man, my advice would be, hey, I'm on the other side right now. And let me just tell you that. Uh, being married does not fix your problems. Your problems that you had single are the same ones that you're going to have married. And so, um, and that, and that starts with fulfillment. Like if, if you're not fulfilled, uh, before you get married, your marriage is not going to fulfill you. I'm telling you, the only thing that's going to fulfill you is your relationship with Jesus. And so if you're listening and you're like, ah, like maybe if, 
I think a lot of people, if they're real, they'd be like, my relationship with Jesus doesn't fulfill me like, like, like mm. it does for you. Well, I would encourage you to ask yourself the question, are you putting effort into that relationship? A lot of people, I've noticed this, a lot of people who say that, um, following Jesus is a relationship, not a religion, their relationships would absolutely stink if they treated their relationships in real life, like they do with Jesus. Wow. Um, so if, if you're one of those people and you're like, Hey, my relationship with Jesus doesn't fulfill me. I want to get married. Then I would just say, Hey, are you actually putting the time into your relationship with Jesus? Like you would a relationship in real life, do that first and then come back to me. Because if you can do that, I guarantee you, that you'll be fulfilled in a way that marriage can't even do. Um, so that would be my advice. And uh, I think if you do that before you get into a marriage, you set yourself up for, for a marriage that um, is really going to be beautiful. And what about uh, people kicking out bad habits that they don't need to take into a relationship, such as if someone's mm-hmm. addicted to pornography or really just like premarital sex in general? Um, yeah. What are some things that helped you in that walk while you were single? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll focus on pornography for a second because I think that one is really big, um, especially with the guys. I know girls too, but, uh, you know, guys, we tell ourselves this lie. We're like, hey, I won't struggle with this when I get married because I'll be having sex. That is such a bogus lie. Do not buy into that lie. Um, you know, I think that um, that stuff, it is absolutely vital that that, you know, Jesus, he cleaned out the temple, right. Of stuff that, um, didn't belong there. But now what we have to realize is in 2020, Hey, the temple is literally our soul. Like we have become the temple. So, um, if you want to, if you want to partake in this holy thing that God created marriage, right. Make sure that your temple is holy first. Like you got to clean some stuff out to make room for what God wants to do. And, um, don't buy into the lie that that stuff is just going to get out on its own. When you get married, it's not how it works. You got to get it out now. Dude, I love that so much. And just everything that you've spoken about today and everything that you're putting out on your social media, I, one thing that I wanted you to touch on was a recent post that you put on Instagram that I want to close with. It's three reasons Jesus is about to move in our world. Yeah, man. Um, I think the first reason he's about to move is because any time throughout history where um, circumstances have said that the gospel should be quiet, the gospel has just gotten louder. You know, um, the Bible does not back down under persecution. It rises up. Uh, that's where people flock to Jesus more than ever. And so I think Um, I'm really excited because right now, you know, churches are shutting down and we're not able to gather the way that we were just a few months ago. And logistically, someone on the outside looking in would go, man, what a rough time for the church. But man, I I think this is going to be a huge time for the church. Um, I think a big part of that, my my second point in that post was discipleship. Uh, No longer is our focus on crowding events in churches, but now we're focused on discipling our neighbors, reaching our neighbors, talking about Jesus to our neighbors, you know, digging in God's word. We're, we're focused to do church the way that Jesus intended. Who would have thought, you know, he modeled this, this discipleship 
model. And, and for many of us, we've just looked that model in the face and chosen a different one that's less effective and doesn't truly change people the way that he desires to change people. And so here we are, 2020, we're discipling people again, hashtag make discipleship great. Um, and I think the last thing I put in that, <clears throat> in that post was, um, uh, oh man, I'm blanking now. I just totally <laughs> lost my, my train of thought. <laughs> the last thing you put in the post was a divided world needs a yes. united church. It, you know, it seems like um, the past 10 years or so, there's always bickering going on between the church over things that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think always matter a whole lot to Jesus. Sure. Um, I don't, I don't think as long as we've got the core stuff, right. I think that we're, we're not going to care a whole lot when we get to heaven about Mm -hmm. these minor differences. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people struggling, looking for answers to their problems and we've got the biggest answer there is we've got Jesus. And so, um, if we're loud about that answer, I think we're going to see a harvest that's ripe. We're going to see people coming and flocking. Like people need hope right now more than they've ever needed hope in our, in our lifetime. They need hope right now. They need peace. They need joy. And we've got all those things wrapped up in one person named Jesus. And so um, I think if the church rises up and gets loud about that person, we're going to see a ton of people come to know him. Dude, I love that so much. And I just love every single aspect of this conversation that we were able to have today. If you're listening to this, you could pick up Viral Jesus everywhere books are sold. This has been Noah Heron. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'm just super excited to see what God's doing in your life. Dude, thank you so much, Trevor. It was an honor. I love the podcast. I love you, bro. Good for you. And uh, thanks again for, for allowing me to have this conversation with you dude for sure and you guys go check him out on his podcast all our ways everywhere you listen to podcasts and we'll talk to you next week dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of god's word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of christ i'm john stonge and each day i host a show called daily devotions with pastor john on the show i spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of scripture before coming to the lord in prayer if you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of god's word You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.